Nora. Nora Pong. Nora Pong in 2C. Ma'am, you are a whore. You are a whore. Nora Pong. Get your own goddamn man. And you are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I am just a poor man's Mary. With me, as always, is film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. On this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them using our unique system. Here is the system. Run-of-the-mill bad film? We'll give that a dare. That's a dare rating. Double dare rating? Those go to the truly atrocious movies. And the reverse dare, the revered, beloved, respected, (laughs) couple's choice award winning... That's a real thing for wedding planners. Today on the podcast, as you can tell, we're celebrating Valentine's Day by reviewing Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey in the 2001 rom-com, The Wedding Planner. But before we get started, we're going to talk about the movie-themed cocktail that Dan made for this very special, special romantic day. Yeah, it's love day. Come on, cuddle up. Uh, There were a lot of ways I could have gone with this one. Of course, this is a cocktail that is inspired by the movie we're reviewing today, Wedding Planner. Thought about doing something with champagne. You know, it's a wedding theme, champagne or Prosecco, something like that. Thought about doing a variation on the Bronx cocktail in honor of star Jennifer Lopez. She <laughs> is uh, Jenny from the block. I'll have you yes. know. Uh, but of all the things that annoyed me about the wedding planner, and there are many, one particular moment stuck with me. Just couldn't, couldn't, oh, it's in my craw. Couldn't get it out of there. It's stuck in the craw. Dr. Steve, this is the character played by Matthew McConaughey and his incredibly, unbelievably stupid quirk that he is saddled with of only eating the brown M&Ms. He's quirky. He only eats the brown M&Ms. And of course, because he's also just a big, dumb, stupid idiot like everybody in this movie, he doesn't pick (laughs) out the brown ones. Still pick them out. See if anyone wants the other five sixths of the (laughs) fucking bag. Hey. I have 83.3% of a bag of Ebedebs. Anyway, no, I'll throw them on the ground. <laughs> I'll just throw them on the ground like an idiot. Anyway, some diabetic squirrels and chipmunks just following them around. <laughs> He's going to so, throw us the green ones in honor of that cocktail and in honor of Valentine's Day with chocolate. It's a big theme. I made the brown M&M cocktail. Yummy. Uh, this is sort of a variation on a chocolate martini, but in honor of star Matthew McConaughey, Dr. Steve himself, uh, I decided to go with Maker's Mark bourbon and just a little teensy eensy bit of that mesquite smoked Southwest bourbon from last week. Add in some white creme de cacao, uh, some cold brew coffee liqueur, a whole ton of spiced cocoa bitters, and even a little dash of pesos bitters just to sort of round out the sweetness so it's not one dimensional. Of course, I will put the recipe for this cocktail, as I always do, in the notes for the show. And now, our feature presentation. The Wedding Planner. This is a movie that was dared to us by my lovely, lovely partner, my sweetums, my honey dear. I'm trying to make her smile because she's listening to me talk about it right now. My sweetheart, Heather. Her dare goes like this. The early 2000s rom-com genre would be nothing without J-Lo. Enter the wedding planner where J-Lo plays a, you guessed it, wedding planner, who ironically does not have a great love life. But fate steps in and drops a hot doc, Matthew McConaughey, who turns things upside down, all capitals, and now the twist. Hot doc is the groom in her new account that will score her a promotion. Dun dun. This movie is peak meet cute romantic comedy style. I use comedy lightly. I hope you find this movie charming and please do enjoy J-Lo, who let's remember played Selena, but can play the devoted Italian daughter like no one else. Step back, Sofia Coppola. What range? The IMDb synopsis for Wedding Planner. Mary Fiore is San Francisco's most successful supplier of romance and glamour. She knows all the tricks. She knows all the rules. But then she breaks the most important of all. She falls in love with the groom. Yes, this week's film is The Wedding Planner. It's directed by Adam Shankman. Stars Jennifer Lopez, Matthew McConaughey, and Bridget Wilson-Sampras, along with a just parade of familiar uh, comedy character actors. film was originally set to star Jennifer Love Hewitt, a completely different J-Lo, and Brendan Fraser. 
They were replaced by Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. And McConaughey and J-Lo stepped in when they left due to scheduling conflicts. Hard to imagine a time when all six of those people were like on the same level of fame, right? right. <laughs> like yeah. that is McConaughey and J-Lo have like, if Academy anything, yeah, right. They just, they've gone up and up and up and up. And uh, the other four, not as so much. <laughs> Brendan Fraser uh, appeared in the Poison Rose. Well, there you go. That, that was nice. McConaughey's not doing that. No, not yet. Uh, the film is set in San Francisco. Key scenes, key scenes were shot in Golden Gate Park and at Stanford University. Movie did fine at the box office. Yeah. It was an, a January release, so not a ton of competition. It grossed sixty million domestic, ninety-five million when you count for foreign box office against a thirty-five million dollar budget. So profitable, but not you know blockbuster. Released January twenty-six, two thousand one. That's Super Bowl weekend on 2,785 screens. It was the number one film at the box office that week, sort of a cross-scheduling sort of thing, opening a romantic comedy uh, next on Super Bowl weekend. Uh, that week was also the same week that Jennifer Lopez's album J-Lo hit number one on the Billboard 200. She's apparently the only person to ever have the number one movie and number one album in the country at the same time. And not surprisingly, best moment in the film is probably the needle drop on Love Don't Cost a Thing that right. happens over the end credits, partly because it meant the nightmare was over. <laughs> um, not a hit with critics. 17 on Rotten Tomatoes, 33 Metacritic. Has a few half-hearted critical defenders. Carrie Rickey of the Philadelphia Inquirer said the film was, quote, at its best when mm. it employs the conventions of romantic comedies to satirize them through the eyes of an anti-romantic wedding planner. However, Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal was less forgiving, writing, quote, the best thing about a movie as silly as this is that it makes such modest demands on your attention quirky. Yeah. We know it's well-documented on this show. We've said it and said it. I don't approve. Nobody approves. Amnesty International doesn't approve. You don't stop me. In fact, you encourage me. But we know that you will hella hotbox any critic who disagrees with you. <laughs> so are you going to give Carrie Ricky the sticky icky icky? <laughs> or are you and Morgan Stern about to light up a Joe bone? Okay, wait a minute. No, I fucking mixed it up on you. You did the dipsy doodle on me here. Ah. Because I was expecting to fight a critic that I disagreed with. But no, you are now getting me blazed to the gills with them. You are going to get high as hell in the backseat. Oh boy. Okay. Well, um, you just got to carry on my wayward Ricky because, uh, you're, you're just no good. Uh, but me and Joe, we're about to blow that good green <laughs> Joe more please than Stern. I don't know. <laughs> I, I agree exactly with him that the best thing about it is how trivial it, it, it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, she, I, and I like when she's, she says it's at its best when it when it's like making fun of itself. That's and is which it does not doesn't do she that was at just all. Looking at that, no, it, it falls all. into the truth. Does not satirize conventions. <laughs> it it just revels in them. It rolls around like a like a pig in slop. Yeah, he nailed it, Joe Morgenstern, with mm -hmm. modest demands on your attention because I think much like the Princess Switch. This is not a movie you should pay a lot of attention to. <laughs> it's a movie made to be half watched and yeah. watching it with the attention and the analysis that I did is very excruciating for many reasons that I hope we'll get into. So I won't go into it here because, you know, we have a lot of details and a lot of time to talk about why it's excruciating. But I'll just say this about the stars. I, I don't hate J-Lo or McConaughey. Right. And they're not my favorites as far as actors go, but they, they're good. I don't hate them, but they are so bland here. Mm -hmm. And whatever you think of them, like them, hate them. These are not bland actors. Right? Blandness is not. If they, if they have a handicap, it's not blandness. But the movie demands the blandness. It demands it. It wouldn't have it any other way. Everything in this movie is bland. Script, cinematography, editing, art direction, costumes, hair and makeup, barf. Oh my god, the hair and makeup was so awful. And what do I notice? Hair and makeup? <laughs> I don't. But it <laughs> right. was so awful. And I know I say it all the time, Corky, but the music. No, no, big time. I wrote that. I, I, I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, it's got to be bad if I notice it because I, I don't notice that kind of stuff. But it is that Mr. Ed. And that's to show you that the, the scene is a comedy. Yeah, get it? This is funny. This is what's happening now is funny. And then it alternates that. Other than J-Lo's number with the most putrid pop songs that you, again, just spit out by a computer that just said, you know, poop, 
pop song for a movie. Yeah, it's fucking awful. So let's get into it because the first of the putrid pop songs hits us right away. We see our hero, Mary Fiore, as a little girl. And she's uh, with her dolls. She's staging a wedding with her dolls, right? As a girl, she's doing this. She was born to wedding plan. By yes. She's wearing a veil. She dreamed about this as a small child while playing with dolls. It's the same reason I flew the Millennium Falcon here. <laughs> I What I like about it, though, is if, okay, so she's wearing a veil and she's planning the wedding, right? What if she showed up on the day of <laughs> wedding? <laughs> oh, my God. That woman's wearing the same thing as I am. She learned to ruin weddings as a small <laughs> child. <laughs> uh, but this brief little flashback fades to adult Mary, now played by Jennifer Lopez, super successful wedding planner, or not. I don't know. It's complicated. This is a convention of romantic comedies, I think, of the female hero, is that depending on the demands of the moment, yeah, oh. she is either a fabulously successful, self-possessed, literally world famous wedding planner to the stars yep she's just playing jane regular folks just doing her thing bang just whatever film wants to have it both ways and it's just like pick a side damn it this is january 2001 9-11's about to happen (laughs) what we see here right now just maneuvering through this big fantastically furnished lavish wedding with flowers everywhere flowers are this movie's Christmas mm-hmm. lights from mm-hmm. Princess Switch. Yes. They're everywhere. But she's got she's got it all together. She's she knows where everybody needs to be at all times and is directing while facilitating. Yeah, this is her world. She's in complete control. Yep. There's a panicky bride. She calms her down while name dropping that she planned Whitney Houston's wedding. Remember that later when a potato chip magnet's daughter's wedding will make or break her career. <laughs> she put on <laughs> Whitney Houston's wedding for fuck's sake. <laughs> She she's micromanaging everything. She has this like utility belt of yeah, toiletries. Yeah. Fixing every problem before it arises, looking good doing it. Uh, she finally comes along to the father of the bride. This was the scene that was shot at Stanford University in the chapel at Stanford. Um, she goes to the father of the bride and she says, I'm the wedding planner. In the very next shot, she's standing in the back of the of the church while the wedding has happened. Two women look back at her and go, She's the wedding planner. <laughs> Did you get it? Did you get it? Like, are you half watching what's happening here? They She's the wedding the planner. The, they forgot the film. We've the already seen scene. the credits. The wedding planner. She's like, this movie really is just like, okay, guys, this is really important for you to know. She's the wedding planner. <laughs> oh, boy. And these women, they think, well, she's a wedding planner. So the, all these wealthy people she's she must lead this glamorous life but we find out after the wedding she's not married and therefore her life is barren and hollow i guess i did it she she eats uh hungry man meals alone in her very stately appointed (laughs) neat and orderly fashion now in this world for a woman as like wealthy and as beautiful and as talented and self-sufficient as jennifer lopez you have like two options like yeah. it's get married or just, you know, hang out with your dad for the rest of your life. Like those are your two options. Like you're alone or you're married to some stuff. She could do whatever the fuck she wanted, yeah. man. I mean, she put on Whitney Houston's wedding for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, but no, here she's, she's super normcore, right? She even wears like a peasant kerchief while cleaning her own apartment. <laughs> like <laughs> put on one of these little like peasant things in my head. I'm going to go put on my house babushka and just fucking <laughs> clean up. <laughs> wild friday night oh so yeah i mean here's what here's a wild night for her is playing scrabble with her dad and his friends and who's her dad it's mo green yeah he got the eye fixed he's looking good the famous teddy z uh is her dad so this is when i was like oh boy is so the dialogue is like this i know i can be a handful as your father but i just want you to get married it's like you know what? Don't waste two sentences. Get it <laughs> no. all out in one, guys. Get it right out there. We're zipping through this. Yeah. Dad says that he, quote, found a man who agreed to marry you. And I've, like all the other old people who are there are like, oh, thank God. Yeah. That was the problem. Men not wanting to be with J-Lo. That was yes. the big roadblock. Was right. just how unappealing she was. Like, my God, stop. No, I mean, she's the type of, she's the type of wedding planner who would take eyes off the bride. You know, <laughs> no, I know, right? She's That's stunning. why she had to sit in the back she's of the chapel, right? <laughs> Marvelously <laughs> looking. But no, she doesn't have time for men. That's what she explains to her dad. 
Exactly. Um, yeah. So she's with him and his elderly friends. One of them, Quirky, I know you don't still don't get Seinfeld references, but one of them is the Marble Rye Lady from from Seinfeld. It's a good show. Okay. You should watch it. Give it a chance. Um, I think I've heard of it. I think I I think I have heard of that. Yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah, it's Se- on. You find it. I mean, if you look around, you might see. I thought it was Steinfeld. Steinfeld. No, 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 no. Stein. Yeah. So that, that makes sense. Um, but this scene is also where we meet Massimo. Mm-hmm. And Quirky, I had some issues with Massimo. I had some issues with Massimo. Uh oh. I think my number one issue, well, hmm, number one issue is that he's a creepy ass stalker with I want to eat your skin vibes, I think. (laughs) Yes. But number two, his accent. And not that he has an accent. Well, yeah, that he has an accent because (laughs) both he and Mary are Italian American. Yes, J Lo, Puerto Rican, a daughter of uh, two Puerto Rican citizens, is playing an Italian American here. But it's established that they grew up together. As children in America, this is established in this scene. Are you sure about that? She talks about having a memory of him as a child following her around and asking her if she had a vagina. No, see, but her dad says that, that he met them on their on their Italian vacation. Oh, it's an Italian vacation. Yeah. Well, it's that makes Mas- so much more sense. Massimo must have never been let out of the house. Massimo. <laughs> I was going to say, it was like, she talks like Jennifer Lopez and he talks like Roberto fucking Manini. How are they yeah, fucking exactly. All right. Well, that makes sense. Mary is not into Massimo. He says things weird. She actually runs away because he says tomatoes instead of mm-hmm. tomatoes. Reasonable. Uh, so she runs away and decides to just be barren, I guess, forever. Uh-huh. Um, so next scene, she's on her way to work. And as you do on your way to work, you stop by the newsstand and grab a copy of Yahoo magazine. <laughs> That doesn't date this movie. I don't know what the fuck will. Who was the centerfold in June uh, 2001 <laughs> Yahoo magazine? <coughs> yes. Oh, different Yahoo. Different Yahoo. Computer <laughs> company Yahoo. Um, but yes, uh, on the cover is the story about this. <laughs> well, let me just read you what the fucking headline <laughs> says on the cover. It says, from potato chips to computer <laughs> chips. <laughs> uh, basically, this is like her new client, their daughter. They've announced it, as you do in Yahoo magazine, that the daughter is <laughs> getting married. So, in the society pages. Yeah, the society pages of Yahoo magazine. <laughs> uh, and if, uh, if Mary can pull this off, it's made very clear. It will make her career. She'll be made partner of her wedding planning firm that is owned by Kathy Najimi. Yeah. It'll be bigger than now really think about this. Whitney Houston's wedding, which she planned. To Bobby Brown. She married another mega superstar R&B musician. Fucking Freddie Dorito's daughter. This guy <laughs> makes fucking chips. Like what the fuck? Like do not think about this. Don't yeah, think about the, it. The chip magnet's daughter is a real step backwards, but this is career-wise. This is going to make her partner. <laughs> Um, but who shows up at work? It's my boy, Massimo, which sure. is stalker behavior. That's yeah. stalker behavior. He doesn't know this person, and he just showed up at her place of work. That's insane. That's something an insane person does. J-Lo is forced to sneak out of her own workplace to avoid him. Yeah. Her friend, um, Judy Greer, yes, who made a living in or like the 2000s of being exactly this character, the best friend, Gal Friday yep. type. When I saw her name in the credits, I said the non-threatening yet very uh, hyper-romance focused Judy Greer will be. You know, you got to get someone who's just just a shade less attractive. Mm. Judy Greer's a beautiful woman, beautiful, but just a shade less J-Lo. attractive than J-Lo. <laughs> Makes J-Lo look better and then is always pushing her to get together with somebody. Yes, Or absolutely. she's going to hook up with somebody. Yeah. And so, speaking of Kathy and Jimmy, they had her for two days, maybe. Yeah. She wears the same thing. And, and it, later on, she's there's a montage where she's wearing the same thing again. There's a lot of people who have like one scene or two scenes or like Fred Willard later. And then Kevin oh, Pollack yes. shows up as um, Matthew McConaughey's friend. And you're like, OK, so he's going to be like, the, no, he's gone. He's not yeah. Bruno Kirby in this fucking movie. He's just gone. Nope. Kevin Pollack was just like, yeah, I'll do it if you if you buy me a round of golf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're at the next wedding now. So we're just cramming out some weddings now. So J Lo's there as a wedding planner, and she's actually feeding the best man his speech right. through an earpiece. And as soon as it's over, into this tent where she's hiding, pops Bridget Wilson Sampras, um, who is the potato chip um, CEO or owner's daughter. She could not possibly have seen what J Lo was doing 
because no, she wasn't right? inside this tent where she is, but she just pops her head and is like, wow, you just fed him his speech. That's amazing. You're really yes. good. I'm going to hire you as my wedding player. I'm like, what? <laughs> the best man is giving his speech. This is the time in the wedding, uh, the ceremony where everybody's quiet. They're watching. They're uh, watching speeches. <laughs> Not Bridget Moynihan. She's following it. She's in the JLO's t- talking at the same time. He's like, he must he must be feeding in the lines. Yeah, and this is Fran, uh, Bridget Wilson Sampras's character. Her parents are played by again two familiar faces: Charles Kimbrough and Joanna Going. Yeah. You'd know him if you've seen him. And but her fiance Eddie is not with her. So this is this is this starts a, a pattern through the movie. So this movie it's established in the opening scene that Mary is micromanaging every every single detail of the wedding. Like the wedding would every wedding would just be off the fucking rails. This guy, this best man, would just be stumbling and bumbling like an idiot up there. From this scene on, as soon as she takes off this headphone of, to and starts uh, takes off the headphones for the best man. She's nothing but distracted at these weddings. Yeah. She's barely there. She's entertaining potential clients. That's who these people are. They're not guests at the wedding. She was like, you want to meet me in my office? No, come to the wedding that yeah. I'm fucking planning. Like, I didn't think that's of that. not a great advertisement for yourself to be like, I'm not present. Yeah. At all. Come to the wedding. I'm going to start ignoring to talk to you, to show you how good I am at doing weddings. <laughs> yeah. The weddings from this point are just backdrops. She's not really doing anything good at these weddings at all. Later on, she just like bolts in the middle of a (laughs) wedding. (laughs) Like great. But right now she's got, she's got the clients. Everyone's, you know, happy. They're going to, she's going to plan this uh, wedding for the potato chip guy's daughter, Freddie Dorito's daughter. Um, But what is going to get her away, but a good old fashioned meat cute. Well, before the meat cute, this is the part of the movie where if it wasn't, offered to JLo, it would have been the somebody's monologue that they would uh, audition with. And this is where I have the problem with JLo. Like you said, JLo's charismatic. She's fun to watch, but she's not a good actress. She's not like a good actress. She's, she's a passable actress. I've enjoyed her in some films. Yeah. She's got presence. For yeah, sure. She's got presence. Exactly. That's the best way to say it. You can watch her think of the thing that like I'm acting. Right. I have to act right when she does this long monologue and it's supposed to be the thing that sells this family on this wedding package. And that was the problem I had. McConaughey, I like, I think he's good. He's a good actor, but I didn't like him in this movie. Like at all. No, no, no. He's from, all wrong. From, all from wrong. Character. I didn't like him cast in this role. I didn't like what they did to him. I didn't like the way the movie deferred to him. Um, but JLo, it's just the, it, it was kind of a stumbling block where these moments where you can see her trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after the wedding, we got the meet cute. She's walking across the street, talking on her phone. Her high heel gets stuck in a manhole. There's a taxi driver eating an ice cream cone. He drops the cone, hits a dumpster. The dumpster starts hurtling toward her. But a handsome stranger, this is Matthew McConaughey, pushes her out of the way, lays on top of her for several minutes as they regard how beautiful they, they both are. As she tries to get up, faints in his arms, and he carries her away. I mean, it's every woman's dream, just a concussion, I guess. To to be almost die, to be mildly uh, sexually assaulted by having someone just lay on you for an uncomfortable, inordinate amount of time. And then once Lose you pass out, he absconds with you. <laughs> yes, fix her up, takes her off. But no, it's, everyone's like, uh, where are you going with that woman? Whoever wrote 365 Days uh, saw this <laughs> scene and was like, I can make a movie out of that. <laughs> uh, Mary wakes up. In a hospital bed. In a soundstage. Yeah. It looks like it, this for a is hospital. the cheapest. Really? The cheapest really movie. is. Yeah. They, they, they the must have spent the- all the money on the actors because yep. everything or is really bargain basement here. Locations as well. Um, but she's in this hospital bed. She's surrounded by precocious movie type children. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that our handsome stranger is Dr. Steve, <laughs> a pediatrician to perfectly healthy children. Yep. This children's hospital is a daycare center. Kids are running in and out of rooms, jumping on beds, goofing around. No one has like a wheelchair, a tube or anything like that. There's not a Band-Aid. The fuck does he do all day at this children's hospital? It's like Christmas at the Cranks where she's reading to that room full of children and one of them has like, they're all in bathrobes and one has a cast on. Like you don't have to stay overnight for a broken wrist, Tommy. You don't have to stay in the cancer world. Get the hell out of there. I know. With all these healthy looking children. Dr. Steve is just billing those kids' parents HMOs like nonstop. (laughs) Ah, you know what? I found something else. I found something else. He's going to have to stay overnight. 
But when they thought of this character, they're like, uh, what can be like the most endearing, sweetest profession for this man? Does he rescue hurt puppies from manholes and sewers? No, no. Does he save kittens from burning buildings? No, no. Children's doctor to healthy looking children. To healthy children. Because if they were sick children, that would bum you out. Gross. Don't want them. Don't. But there's a sort of attraction, growing attraction between them, obviously. Um, This is where I really stopped liking him. Or I was just like, he's an awful person. He's a bad guy. He He really is. Yeah. Right off the bat with him. This man is. And I mean, we all, the movie hasn't said it yet, but we all know that obviously this is the guy. This is the groom. This is Eddie, right? Even though he's named Dr. Steve. She brings up that he uh, he has a girlfriend because there's a picture of a woman behind him. And he's like, oh, no, that's my sister. Goes on to tell talk about his sister. At no point does he stop and go, oh, but actually, yes. But I, I do have I, a fiance. <laughs> I am engaged to be married very soon. <laughs> uh, but instead, Judy Greer comes in, sees that they like each other and makes up some kind of half-hearted thing to be like, let's go to a movie in the park. Because Mary always goes to see the movies in the park. Um, and when they show up to the park, Judy Greer comes up with some other lame excuse to take yeah. off. Right. And this guy just goes right along with it. He's, He's on like, a date. I'm going to go he, see two fucking female strangers right. and go to a movie with them and not mention my fiance at nope. all. When she starts talking about going to the movies, he knows he's going on a date. Like he knows what the setup is. Matthew McConaughey, the way he plays it, he's aware of what's happening. He gets it. Yeah, he yeah. gets that they're being pushed together. And he went through careers. medical school. He, oh my God, right? He's not. <laughs> so they go to the movie in the park, which was not shot in a San Francisco park. We'll see Golden Gate Park later in the movie. This was wow. shot maybe in a parking lot. <laughs> where they set up a ferris wheel and laid down some green felt because like when it starts raining that <laughs> it doesn't grass doesn't look like that when you get it wet oh no. uh, and his fucking god his hair his hair was subject of a lot of speculation in our living room of like what is happening there because it's styled as though he's wearing a toupee it kind yeah. of fluffs up a little bit on the sides it's very choppy in that kind of early 2000s way and he's wearing just the dumbest fucking glasses these wire glasses it's just it's everything about him is wrong they I also mean, dress him in a leather jacket for uh, a majority of the movie just, yeah i was asking my girlfriend i was like is that to make him like look tougher the cool guy yeah what it, what the, and that's the the other thing that i really hate about him is what is he he's 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 an absolute zero outside of that he's engaged to one woman and he's falling for another yeah there's absolutely no there's nothing oh he's a doctor <laughs> he's the um, doctor honey and this is the scene where quirk alert he only eats brown M&Ms. He has a whole fistful of M&Ms and he's throwing all the yellow, green, orange, red, and blue M&Ms on the ground. He's just throwing them on the ground. Like there's hundreds of people around. Give them five, six of your M&Ms. Dumb shit. Like really just pick them out. Yeah. And his reasoning for this is that brown M&Ms have less food coloring because chocolate is already brown. It's a candy fucking shell, you dumb fucking candy shell of a human. <laughs> Fuck you, idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. And these movies in the park, boy, I tell you, I've, I've gone to some movies in the park. They don't go with arcane or unfamiliar. No. These right. they, they are mass appeal. They want people to come to this yeah, fucking thing. They want people the to Princess recognize Bride. what the, yeah, yeah, playing the hits. right? If they're Maybe if you want to show an old musical, maybe singing in the rain is as far arcane as you would ever possibly go. But they watch fucking the movies they watch in this scene. They watch two tickets to Broadway, a movie from the 1950s starring Tony Martin and Gloria DeHaven. <laughs> but yeah. that's not a fucking famous movie at all. And but in one scene, there's a dance scene and couples start getting up and dancing as though they knew what the scene, like this is like Rocky horror picture show. And they're like yeah. participating in it. <laughs> no one knows two tickets to Broadway. And then later they're watching flirtation walk, which is uh-huh. even more arcane than two tickets to Broadway. It's like, fucking what the hell? If this was a cheaper movie, I would say those were just like public domain movies that could get their hands on. But oh, no. right. This movie had money to spend. It did. But I mean, this is another example I think of, uh, as you're saying, like, kind of cheaping out like okay well yeah if we have a singing in the rain clip it's going to be this much money if we did this it's going to be this two tickets to broadway yeah fucking a hit play who gives a fuck yeah that's not making anyone any money from the library (laughs) um so yes uh, people get up and dance during two tickets to broadway the movies in the park as you do as you do never 
Um, but they get up, they start to dance. They're kind of coming closer. There's a kiss lean comes in, but oh, kaboosh, they're interrupted by a sudden rainstorm and everybody scatters away. They just, that, that's it. End of scene, basically, yeah, right? They're just, just like, right there. Huh, what? They like they got home. lost in the rain or something? Like, what? Huh? Right. Did he walk her home? Did what happened? Yeah. Rain. It just seen over. Boom. And then now it's like the next day. Um, or the next, well, the next scene. And it's once again at a wedding where Jennifer Lopez is once again not planning or managing the wedding, but pitching to potential customers again. <laughs> Meanwhile, Judy Greer is getting plates thrown at her face. I would be so pissed if I was in that wedding and I found out my wedding planner is entertaining guests at my wedding. Like the check cleared and the wedding planner just doesn't give a fuck about your just wedding abdicate anymore, right? responsibility, drum yeah. up more business. Done, done. My assistant can handle this and have plates thrown in her face. Um, yeah, you really start to get the impression Mary is bad at her job after giving the exact opposite impression earlier. <laughs> Whatever. So now she just goes to a dance class. I don't know where yeah. this dance class came from, but she decides, here I go. I'm going to go to a dance class. And who does she run into? But Fran. That's Bridget Wilson. And she finally gets to meet her fiance, Eddie, and gasp. Eddie is Dr. Steve. And they both elect, without even having to discuss it with each other, to lie to Fran's face it, about their relationship as though they've uh, never met before. It made me hate him even more. And it made me, it, this is where I started to dislike what the movie did to the J-Lo character, because it makes it seem like she has any responsibility in this about her being in the wrong. Yeah. No. She met a guy. They hit it off a little bit. They went she thought he out. was single. She had every yep. reason to believe he that. He never gave her any reason not to. And then now the movie wants to make her feel like she's somehow responsible. Involved in this. Yeah. It's, but it's also just crazy. It's again, kind of a romantic comedy convention, but how easily it is for them both to just lie. Just lie so easily woman. about things yeah. you don't even really need to lie about. Exactly. Uh, later at the scene of the winery, it just really gets bumped up a notch. Right here, the dance teacher here is Fred Willard. So this is like his one scene. He's a dance instructor. He basically just yells dance. And then everyone does a choreographed dance. Yeah. <laughs> It's like they wanted Robin Williams for this role. They're like, Rob, do your gay uh, character, Robin Williams. Okay, Fred Willard, do Robin Williams' gay character. <laughs> he did kind of remind me of like a young David Winters. Um, oh. Dancing yeah. it's on with the facial hair and everything yeah. like that. <laughs> and how he kept staring at a poorly photoshopped picture of his son <laughs> next to a helicopter. <laughs> that was such a fucking bananas crazy movie. So good. Dancing it's on. Uh so good. This is the other thing is Fran just unwittingly keeps pushing these two together over and over and over again. So yeah. she's like, you two dance. I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> the dance class we just came to. <laughs> so th they dance and they dance very well. And you can see they have like chemistry. This is the one part I kind of dug. Uh, the the actors don't have chemistry, but the... no. this tango argument. Right. Probably the best shot because you can now see other people just kind of in the background paying more attention to them yeah it's like we the movie shows us that they belong together not just has character talk about it yeah exactly and the director adam shankman has like a background in dance he was oh. a he used to be a judge on so you think you can dance okay and he's made a lot of musicals and i think he was a choreographer too so he's also he's, a hack-ass director oh my god he's terrible he's really yeah. bad at it but yes, next day, Mary and Dr. Steve are now going to recap the plot to the first <laughs> first act of the film <laughs> to their friends. So Judy Greer and in his only scene in the movie, Kevin Pollack. Yeah. Kevin Pollack shows up. So he's Bruno Kirby from, you know, When Harry Met Sally. Right. The buddy. He's the buddy who you talk about your girl with. So you think like, oh, he'll come back. No, he isn't no. even at the wedding. This is like his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> he isn't at his wedding. And how do they play some golf? How are they friends? Pollock's like what, fifteen years older? No, than they him? do not. No, there's maybe I mean, that's okay. Fellow you know, doctors, I, maybe I, that's maybe. the only explanation. There's also uh, a throwaway line that Doctor Steve has to attend a diverticulitis seminar. Now, which of course, diverticulitis, funny word, funny condition. It's poopy, right? But my girlfriend pointed out, she's like, he's a pediatrician. <laughs> Why would he be doing this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like seven-year-old with diverticulitis i tell you i can't eat nuts anymore doc the hmo keeps asking questions i gotta come up with new diagnoses uh your seven-year-old has diverticulitis 
he's going to choose, you know, this woman who he knows she's going to choose her career over a man. So boom. And they head out to Napa Valley to scout a winery as a potential wedding uh, venue. What the fuck? Why are they all riding up together? Why are they carpooling? There's a rich people and they're carpooling. She's sitting in the back. Like it's a fucking eighth grade fucking ski trip or something. I mean, she's, like it's sophomore year of high school. She's a it, world famous wedding planner hitching a ride from was, San Francisco to Napa Valley. That's a short drive. Yeah. And there's all this tension on the ride. But for some reason, they both are compelled over and over again to lie to Fran. I guess mm-hmm. just money is what Mary's chasing. Right. Yeah. But it's, Jesus Christ. But they, the movie doesn't want to make her like an avaricious character. But that would be they, the only blame- explanation. Why yeah. else wouldn't you just be like, yeah, no, uh, we we know each other. Like we yeah. went to the movies together. Like I whether- really want to make partner. Yeah, uh, something, anything. <laughs> that Whitney Houston money's long gone. Jeez, uh, <laughs> that went right up my nose. <laughs> my original nose too. Oh. Ooh. Hey, so they get to the venue finally, and who shows up? Massimo. How? What the what? How? Because her father told Massimo that she was going up to Napa on a work trip. Why didn't her father fucking drive her then? If- Why did her father tell her that at all? Her father's <laughs> motivations are fucking completely insane. She's just yeah. basically like, hey, Massimo, this woman who has like made a point of avoiding you. I'm going to now need you to track her down. Find right. her at her work event and interrupt it. And not only that, he walks right up to her and says, I am her fiance. I'm her fiance. They haven't even spoke. That's Uh-oh. psycho behavior. <laughs> That's Travis Bickle shit. Seriously, that is completely fucking insane. He just walks up, says he's her fiance. But what's even more insane is Fran, instead of being like, I don't know this fucking psycho, right. get a security guard at this winery, this upscale winery that we're at. Kick this guy out of here. I have no connection to this guy whatsoever. She goes along with the story. Yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah. Even though I just told you on the car ride up that I'm single, this weirdo is my fucking fiance. At no point is Fran like, wait, you just said you didn't have anybody you got broken up with or something like that. No, everyone's just thrilled. Or know that you just met a guy. That's what she said. And then he turned out to be not so great, right? So now Fran is going to sit there and think, my wedding is being planned by someone who's a duplicitous cheater. She just (laughs) met a guy and, and she's engaged. Yes. And I... Dr. Steve, I guess because of jealousy, here's another just completely what the fuck scene. Is this like treadmill competition that he has yeah, it makes with a, Massimo? It's, it's a little bit of forced hijinks. Yeah. At this upscale fucking luxury winery, they just find two treadmills. <laughs> <laughs> There's two There's for two for our guests. They're like, you can and film in the clubhouse. They race each other on the treadmill and mm-hmm. then they like wrestle each other. Yeah. It, it's just... It just comes out of nowhere. There's like no buildup to it whatsoever. All of a sudden, it's just, yeah, like you said, there hasn't been any hijinks in this movie for like 20 minutes. So like cram some hijinks in there however you can. It doesn't need to have any kind of. And then the movie kind of tries to justify Matthew McConaughey being upset with her for lying about being engaged. Yeah. But she's not engaged, but she is lying. But why? But that's why I was like, I don't like what the movie's doing to the yeah. J-Lo character. The movie tries to like even the score at yeah. some level, but you're like, that's not really no. like <laughs> you men are awful people. And she's just like, I don't know, weak, I guess. Yeah. Bridget Moynihan is like the only, like she, her biggest thing is that she has kind of fallen out of love with Matthew McConaughey. We don't see that yet, but she's kind of fallen out of love. That's her biggest problem or the biggest thing against her. She's fine. J-Lo's biggest thing is that she's lying to her. Yeah. Is Bridget That's Wilson, it. by the way. <laughs> Why am I saying Bridget Moynihan? Who's that? Uh, she used to be with Tom Brady, and Bridget Wilson was with uh, Pete Sampras. So. Right. So anytime when you listen to this, if I say Bridget Moynihan, I'm talking about Bridget Wilson Sampras. <laughs> <laughs> Just know it. Just know that. Nothing else. So Brigitte Nielsen is yeah, uh, nailed unassailable. It. Dr. Steele, uh, her parents show up, too. Yeah. I'm just like, well, like, I thought they were just here to like scout a fucking venue, right? Like, wasn't this just a quick day trip to scout a venue? Next thing you know, they're horseback riding. Hey, they're horseback riding. They just came up to scout the venue, but they're wearing different clothes. Again, it's not a long drive. It's about an hour, maybe from San Francisco to wine country, maybe an hour. It's not something that needs to be an overnight trip, but here they are in different clothes. And now they're horseback riding, horseback riding. 
They packed a picnic basket. <laughs> they packed a picnic. Like, is that part of the wedding package? <laughs> oh, but anyway, JLo's horse, while she's riding it, here's some more hijinks. It get, uh-huh. Horse gets spooked and takes off. JLo's stunt double is forced to do some absolutely <laughs> insane things, whipping her head back and forth. I don't know what the hell that was all about. Um, but Dr. Steve, the hero, he now he needs to do something heroic, right? Because it's yes, been a real right. piece of shit. So that's what, the, what he needs to be at this moment in the script. Absolutely. So he chases her down. Instead of doing what I think most people would do, which is maybe grab the reins try to, horse horse to try to slow it down a little bit. He goes full Yakima Knut in stagecoach, yanks her <laughs> off the horse and onto his horse in one move, in one little move, like just like woof. There you go, great Yakima Knut ref. Yo, and then that horse is just never to be. That horse is off to the glue factory. That <laughs> <My> horse. <laughs> also, at this picnic, Doctor Steve starts getting jealous of Massimo. I mean, I guess he was already, but it's becoming more and more apparent. It's like. I just just because how fucking stupid is this guy right like yeah. how dumb is he i couldn't believe how stupid ever this is also where i realized we're actually supposed to find massimo adorable and not a terrifying sick fucking herm- human yeah. yeah yeah which is upsetting <laughs> like that's if he didn't have a silly accent his behavior would be horrifying I mean, it is horrifying, but like the the silly accent is supposed to make it palatable. But my God, look past like the window (laughs) dressing a little bit, people. Pretend this jaunty music isn't playing behind every time he speaks. I know. Suddenly he's a character in Silence of the Fucking Lambs. All right. So next morning, we get home. Mary also rides home (laughs) with these people, too. It's like she's (laughs) back in the back seat again, just sitting in the back seat. Um, But the next morning, now, you want to talk about men who have troubling behavior. Mary wakes up to her father mm. measuring her for a wedding dress. The fuck was that? S- while she's sleeping. Yeah. We find out later that I guess he's a tailor because he's like measuring uh, Massimo's suit later on for the wedding. So assume we assume he must have been a tailor. It's not established at this point, but that makes it maybe 5% less creepy. Possibly ten. I can go ten percent less creepy. Did they establish when he's measuring that he's measuring Massimo? Was Massimo awake or was this more? Massimo is fully awake. Fully awake. About touching sleeping people with tape measures. Right. Dad now also thinks she's marrying Massimo. (laughs) He's like because Massimo told him. Like, but he told Massimo. What the fuck? She says that she barely knows this guy. What the hell, Dad? But then dad drops, well, you know, me and your mom were in arranged marriage, and that worked out a-okay. You're dead, mom, right? But mom's dead. Yeah. That worked out a-okay. And dad ends it by insisting that she give the creepy stalker another chance. Give this guy who just showed up at your place of business multiple times and yes. lied about having a relationship with you in the first place and lied about being your fiance. Give him another chance. He's not a great father. I, I never thought Mo Greenwood turned out to be a good father. No, right? <laughs> he just, uh, right in the eye. <laughs> um, and of course, Mary, for her part, keeps getting drawn to Dr. Steve, right? So now yeah. um, Mary takes Fran and Dr. Steve to Golden Gate Park. This is where they were budgeted for you know a couple of scenes in San Francisco. And they decide they're going to get married there in the park because no one's ever gotten married in the park before. Which I, I don't know, really. Um, Fran, then as soon as they decide, yeah, this is where we're going to get married. Fran turns to them and is like, I'm going to leave now <laughs> on business. Goodbye. <laughs> like you two should plan the entire wedding together because she says it's a quote crucial time and they don't want to lose the momentum. They picked a venue 15 seconds ago. This movie has no idea how weddings get planned. Ex- no, exactly. That's not how it works. This could have been a couple of emails. We don't. We did not need to be abandoned here. And by the way, Bridget Moy. Uh, I almost called her Moynihan again. Bridget Wilson Sampras, Franny. I'll just start calling her Franny. Is a socialite daughter of a, a potato chip magnet. Like, what is her business? Her pressing business. No, but she's always just like getting called away on business. Somewhere. Yeah. And so Mary and Steve, they don't even like waste any fucking time. They have to go directly from the park to go look at fountains and statues because what they want to do is bring fountains and statues to a park, a place filled with, you guessed it, fountains and <laughs> statues. Crucial, crucial time for the wedding. 
we had to lock these statues down. <laughs> like what? And there's just some, some more real dud hijinks where he knocks over a statue very easily knocks over a statue. That's obviously hollow plastic and not yeah. limestone as he says. Uh, and then they knock off the genitals and then they super glue it back on, but it gets stuck to Dr. Steve's hand. Matthew McConaughey. I I've seen him try to do comedy. Hmm. And he definitely has the Leslie Nielsen syndrome where he's only funny when people know how to use him seriously. Right. Like him in uh, Tropic Thunder or Dazed to Confused. He's delivering everything earnestly, but they make the situation just ridiculous around right. him. Him in that Bill Murray elephant movie or uh, this one. Just yeah. He can't do comic timing. He has no. none. He's not funny. Too much effort. Yeah, and he talks about himself in the third person a lot, which I think was definitely a McConaugheyism. He brought that to the character. <laughs> That's right. They had to rewrite it when he came on to have him talk in the third or person. That was just how he remembered that over <laughs> his lines. <laughs> Wait, when it says Doctor Steve, am I supposed to say Doctor Steve? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but they grow closer while she's removing this super glued um, genitals from his hand. Mm-hmm. They're going closer, so she goes over to visit her father. And who is sitting alone in her father's living room, but Massimo. Massimo again. What is he doing there? Why is he there? He's just alone in her father's house. She's chill with it, though. Uh, this yeah. time, it actually like allows him to make her dinner um, and you know open up and grow closer. I was like, girl, kick this fucking guy in the I, nuts. Well, scream and run. That's what you need to do. Get the, the fuck movie, out of the apartment. The movie needed a sensitive friend type to talk to at this moment. So that's what Massimo becomes at this moment. Yeah. So she has a tender sit down with the psychopath. She opens up a little bit about her feelings. He makes her mac and cheese. Makes her mac and cheese. She's disarmed. She's going to be literally disarmed when Massimo gets done with her. He's going to cut her fucking arms off. Um, So then uh, next scene, Dr. Steve and Mary are browsing flowers, more flowers, and she freaks out princess switch style when she sees her ex and his pregnant new wife oh my god she like does some you know more kind of dumb hijinks where she tries to hide it would be so easy in a public place like this to hide like turn around and walk away but instead she like falls on the ground and crawls under tables this is knocks over i i hate when these movies do this they take these beautiful women then they turn them into societal train wrecks right yeah like everybody can be self-conscious but to the point of crawling on the ground because you see your ex at a public market and this is two years ago now yeah and he's crawling on the ground to avoid talking to them right or even being seen by them and meanwhile jennifer lopez is fucking stunning right she's there with matthew mcconaughey who's not bad looking himself if they did interact with them it's like hey i'm not doing so bad either motherfucker Look right at this guy's I mean, you're, you're jacket, both right? very accomplished liars yes. so it would be yeah, very they, easy to lie your way they've through been lying thing. to everybody the whole time <laughs> instead she goes full honesty on them and then yeah that's it that's what's crazy she goes in in the span of 20 seconds she is this bumbling stumbling crawling hiding to then i'm just double barrels calling them out on their bullshit mm. right in front of and making it very awkward. Who is she? What is yeah, this? Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's supposed to humanize her, hmm. but that's, the, it's not very human ish behavior. No. The scene where she gives it to him and just says, what the hell? This is fucked up. That's a little yeah. more human, but it, all this right. stumbling and bumbling and acting nope. like an idiot. It's just like, it doesn't humanize them. And I actually liked that reveal because it explained a little bit why she could be this very focused wedding planner, but not be focused on her own personal life. Right. They try to like the that one reviewer, Carrie Ricky, said that she's anti-romance. She's not anti-romance. She very much believes in romance. She's just not making it any for herself purposefully. And I liked this part, but it could have been done so much oh, better. Boy. Yeah. Um, so we find out the story, which is that she was gonna marry this guy, but he cheated on her at the rehearsal dinner with this woman who was an ex-girlfriend of hers. I mean, maybe and wedding planner uh, faux pas right there. Maybe don't invite the ex-girlfriend to the <laughs> rehearsal dinner. Like much less the wedding. The rehearsal dinner is just intimate family and friends. Uh-huh. People from out of town. That's not a bring your ex-girlfriend to it kind of fucking. Yeah. And she reveals that she she did something for her. And that's when she should have known because she was trying too hard. It's like, why were you even involving why would you his ex-girlfriend? It's like you, you have some control over this. You were the bride. Like, Honey, do you not know how weddings happen? I want to think of, you know, your family, your friends, the people you fucked. I yeah. want them to be involved in our For life. Sure. 
<laughs> oh, but uh, Mary, this encounter has uh, shattered her. Yeah. So she is just instantly drunk. <laughs> like Stumbling? she's just overnight, just drunk, drunk, and not like not tipsy, a hair out of little habazabazabada drunk. She is like fucking falling on the ground. Can't get in her apartment. Pressing can't all the stand buttons. up. Just having an absolute meltdown. I mean, she is like really, really fucked up. Um, Steve, Dr. Steve carries her up to her apartment. And then even though he's a, this scene also just was insane. So first of all, he sets her up with many open flames throughout the apartment. <laughs> this woman couldn't stand up a second ago. And he's like, all right, I'm going to leave you here with a lot of open flames. Yeah. Like there's a roaring fire in the fireplace behind them. Yeah. But Dr. Steve roasts a marshmallow on the fire no <laughs> he puts a marshmallow on a loose metal wire that he has found and roasts it over a scented candle one of many that he has lit throughout <laughs> her apartment like what there's candles going everywhere man if you got so drunk you were dropped down couldn't stand up and you're like tipsy you need to be carried in the door the smell of those scented candles would fucking send you reeling be like i'm gonna fucking vomit all over you and then she's she's mildly like sleepy uh from then on yeah man you sober up fast really she gets drunk fast she sobers fast she was doing that fake drunk where she's like oh just take me into my apartment i I don't know what's gonna happen i i'm so drunk but they have a little heart to heart they grow a little bit closer um, yeah. But then he just leaves this drunk idiot in a room full of fire. Uh, but no, hang on, because he comes back and is yeah. like, I'm going to do a doorway scene. I'm going to admit I'm into you. I'm going to put my cards on the table. But she says, no, turns him down flat, says, can't do it. I got a wedding to plan. Take a hike, buddy. I laughed so fucking hard at this part, because when he comes back, he knocks on her door. She opens up and he's like, this is his. um uh, you had me at hello moment. Right. For his love, right? actually. Yeah, right. Exactly. Matthew McConaughey looks at her. And he says, I know every curve of your face. Mm. And I just imagine Russ Cole saying that, which is fucking true detective, coked out. <laughs> I know every curve of your face. So upsetting. He's got this maniacal gleam. That's why Matthew McConaughey is not good for this role. No, exactly. Yeah, it just it, it seems a little sinister. Yeah, and the fact that he is so clean in this movie with his short hair and his wired glasses, it makes it even more sinister, right? Right. They're just like, like I, who is this photo. guy? Like, who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? Like, he's too buttoned down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next day, who's waiting in Mary's office? But Fran. Fran now has cold feet. But Mary. Instead of sensing an opening, inexplicably, really, calms her down and talks her back into the wedding with the same speech that she gave the bride uh, in the opening scene. She she's the only person on this world who has the knowledge that these two people do not want to be together anymore. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're growing apart. She has she's the only one. But she does not ever like double down and say, look, it's for my career. I'm avaricious. There's nothing that won't the movie won't let her be that evil. But nope, she just like talks her back, gives her the same speech she gave to Whitney Houston when she was about to back out on Bobby Brown. <laughs> Franny's like, yes, yeah, you're right. I love Eddie too much. Talks her back into marrying this man she doesn't love. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, so Mo Green's buddy, who is also a security guard at the movies in the park, is having a birthday party. Birthday oh, that's party. right. He's also the security guard at the movies in the right? park. Which, how, wow. how convenient of all of this. Perfect. Just like they just happened to... St- walk into each other in a fucking dance class in yeah. San Francisco a city with you know <laughs> several million people in the surrounding areas. Uh I was that her her dad's were they a couple, him and Bert? Right. I, I was wondering about that because they are they have a lot of like uh you know they're always together. Indoor privileges. But then Massimo was kind of hanging around there too. I don't know. So interesting situation. But Massimo actually decides he's gonna hijack this guy's birthday party. Sure. And propose to Mary using a dollhouse. Yeah. which I guess was the same dollhouse she had in the opening scene um, and asked her to marry him. It is man's that she is. I mean, you want to talk about no interest in each other, no yeah. interest whatsoever, but her father was in an arranged marriage. But it's like, that's not your only fucking option. That was probably <laughs> their only option. Right. Exactly. 
His dad had scarlet fever too. <laughs> so I'm like, when was when was this wedding? You could buy and sell your parents' wedding ten times over. You, that's not your only option right now. And yet, Mary elects to accept this insanity in the most half-hearted way possible by laying down Scrabble tiles that say oh O and K. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I can't even say it out loud. She can't even say the words. And hugs him. Like these people have never kissed. And she wants the movie says she's a good Scrabble player, but that's only like a, a three. And even no, if you're right. on a triple letter, score, she didn't even look the triple word. Or, I mean, she had every opportunity. She, it was a she wide didn't open. Go board. okay, a y with the <laughs> y and the triple word score. <laughs> yeah. So I think the movie. This is where they were right. The when they were making the movie, they're like, "There's actually no romance happening. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we just shut down this other thing. We need a romantic gesture, right? And so that's why this kind of it felt incredibly shoehorned. So oh, very much so. That now she has to accept a, a engagement she doesn't want. Yeah, and now that also kind of gives us a ticking clock because now we're on parallel yep. wedding That's trainings, right? right? Because Doctor uh, Steve and Fran, their wedding is getting planned. Uh, a much more modest wedding is being planned for Massimo and Mary. Uh, we finally get to Fran and Steve's wedding day, and Mary, <laughs> like maybe an hour before the ceremony is about to begin, bolts abdicates all zero hour bolts dumps the whole shit show on judy greer's by waving a commission in front of her face that it turns out she will never collect (laughs) because this wedding does not happen (laughs) like she is the villain of the movie she's pretty awful she stuck judy greer with this commission that is not going to be able to be oh my god that's hilarious and again judy greer says that the commission is more than her annual salary how the fuck is that possible Right. I mean, and that, that that leads to another question about J-Lo and the fact that the movie wants to be like, but she's just a regular girl. She's not rich like these people, but also she makes like, what, $50,000 commissions? I mean, either <laughs> I, either Mary is rich as fuck or Judy yeah. Greer is a homeless woman. <laughs> like, those, lived, those are the only two options. She lives down in Daly City or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so yeah uh, mary takes off right before the wedding and i say she'll never collect it because the the uh the commission because dr steve walks in on fran as she's getting ready for yep. the wedding he drags her outside into the park and says Talk. why do you want to marry me uh-huh great fucking timing asshole great timing like you're so ready to like lie and lie and lie and lie and lie but then like right when it comes to the point of having to make any commitment why do you want to marry me so essentially he gives her an out he talks her into dumping him he talks her out of the marriage he gives her an out she takes it boom meanwhile mary across town i guess yeah city hall going yeah that makes sense is getting ready to marry masato in in city hall like City Hall, really? God, you're a wealthy wedding planner. You're getting married right. to the Justice Peace. Anyway, Steve puts Fran in a cab, but then he finds out, oh shit, Mary's getting married. I need to go and chase her down. Now we got to do a, a final act, you know, run down to the airport or to the whatever to stop right. the wedding or to do whatever. The route he takes makes no fucking sense. If you know San Francisco, he's suddenly in a traffic jam on the pier. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a, a, a part of your route at all. Yeah. He j- actually jumps in the ice cream cone cabbie's car. Yeah. So, I mean, right away, bad call because this guy almost killed you. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the usual. It, so he gets stuck in traffic. It looks like he won't make it. Oh, no. Mary's going to get married to the wrong person. She can stop this at any time. You know what I mean? She's not a fucking hostage yet. Um, but then the justice of the peace at uh, her wedding says, does anyone want to object? And it looks like no one's uh, her father and the other seniors are kind of shifting around and a little, they're looking a little antsy. And finally her father says, I object. I object. And the other seniors, they object too. no, no, we, yeah. we don't want this wedding. Like they were the ones pushing this whole thing the whole time. And suddenly that's, they're like, that's just the movie thing, right? I've never been to a wedding where they don't do that. No one does that. Says, yeah. That's a thing. Now that shotgun weddings the- aren't a thing anymore. There's no real reason to do that. I, did they ever actually do it, or is that just a thing that I think they used to do with? it? I, th- I think it used to be a thing, but I mean, the, again, like there weren't as many options in society for to to do it now is completely like who the fuck is no like come on <laughs> uh, if you're gonna object, 
you had your chance. Yeah. The, the objecting time's over. This is happening. This is, there's deposits have been made. I'm three fourths through my speech. <laughs> but dad says, shame on me. Shame on me for thinking that you should marry Mossman. And she says, I'm so lucky to have a father like you. You sure? Yeah. You sure. He's the one who sick this fucking sick fuck on you in the first fucking place. He broke into your place while you were sleeping just to measure you. <laughs> I woke up to my dad measuring me once and he was, he, uh, he had to convince me it wasn't for a coffin. <laughs> I don't know. That bash. <laughs> um, boom. She seems to reject his advice because she says this is real life. Uh, no. Um, but when Dr. Steve finally shows up at city hall, everyone's there, but Mary and they say, no, she didn't marry Massimo. Uh, Massimo is still there. He's, I don't know, discouraged, I guess, but not so much that he won't drive Dr. Steve to the movie in, in the park in the, in his scooter to chase Mary down. He's the one who takes her there. Yeah. And you want to talk about an insane fucking ride. Okay. It's daytime when they leave city hall, it's sunset <laughs> on the ride over. It is pitch black when they arrive in the park. What is, how does that work? Oh, and there's Mary. She's in the park. She's at their spot. At the same spot. The same uh, tree stump that they're sitting on, watching Flirtation Walk again. R- very arcane for movies in the park. I told my girlfriend, I said, Dan is going to know what this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> and what is she doing? She's only eating the brown M&Ms while throwing the rest on the ground like an idiot. Because that's what you do when you fall in love. You adopt all of their quirks as your own. Yeah, even the ones that are just so stupid, you right. just lose all respect for them as a, a person. Um, but yeah, she's like, okay, what's new? Said that these are have less <laughs> food coloring because they're brown and chocolate's brown. <laughs> Fucking dummy. Um, but yeah, they reconcile. And Dr. Steve says in a very Neil Breen sort of way, I want to dance <laughs> with you. <laughs> Do you need that pause in there? Probably not. So it zooms into the flirtation walk scene, which is a wedding scene. And that's the end. Love don't cost a thing plays. Kaboom. Nightmare over. That's it. Quirky. That's the wedding planner. That's the whole damn movie. That was that movie. Any final thoughts about the film before we give it our rating and banish it to the land of wind and shadows? There's a part earlier where Massimo becomes a friend and they're eating mac and cheese. He, he makes a statement and she like pauses and looks at him and is like, what? And it's because he says something that she says her mother used to say. Mm. And it's, oh, he says, love is just love. And she like almost drops her fork and is like, my mom used to say that. And I was like, in what situations? What's, what's the context for that? Why did your mom just stop and go, you know, honey, here's your <laughs> breakfast. Love is just love. <laughs> inspiring words for bomb that's that was mom's bumper sticker oh boy all right quirky let's wrap this up uh remind everyone of our ratings run of the mill bad it's a dare next level Uh bad is a double dare and a movie we like is a reverse dare what is your rating for the wedding planner okay so i'm going to say this movie there was a sketches of a of a good romantic comedy in there or at least a good romance story they went for the blandness they went for the mass appeal of it and you know they got it because it was a like number one film at the box office when it came out it you knew what you were getting with it um if they would have fleshed out the thing with her being either avaricious or stone cold about romance fine but they don't do that they dance they want all they want to play it all across the board right i like that bridget wilson wasn't made to be a villain she just you know wasn't in love with the guy anymore she wasn't cheating she wasn't there was no reason for her um another thing that we kind of laughed about was like yeah she's fine because it was like a very amicable breakup he sees her off in a taxi and she's going to tahiti to do the honeymoon what about two weeks later when she finds out that now the guy she was about to marry is fucking the wedding planner I know like, she's in Mary's position, right? Like there was this whole relationship yes! going on the whole time and it with crescendoed at their wedding events and he ran off with her. Yeah, no, I know it's um, yeah, you're right. She's not made out to be a villain, which is good, yeah. but she's not made out to be anything. No. Th- and that's, the, that's the, that's the this biggest... movie. There's no like specificity to it. There's no like detail or any character. It's just sort of like what emotion 
yeah. or impression needs to happen in this scene. That's yeah. what it is. Doesn't matter if that it's inconsistent with their character. Doesn't matter if that's something this person would never do in a million years. Is Mary uh, the best wedding planner of all time? Is she a terrible wedding planner yeah. who doesn't even pay attention during these things? Is she like wealthy and fabulously successful? Is she just, you know, uh, struggling in her career? It's it. She's self-confident and assured, or she's stumbling mess. Whatever is needed at that exact moment is whatever she is. I mean, and that's my, I think that's my biggest problem with romantic comedies, at least in this genre or milieu. It's not, it's not anything about these characters or, or actual real people or real situations. It's how do we get the guy and the girl who aren't together at the beginning some artificial reason to not be together mm-hmm. that we're all, we're going to triumph over by the end of the movie. That's all it is. It's like, that's what we need to do. Whatever the scene needs at that point to get us along our trajectory, we're going to do. Uh, I give it a dare uh, because it, it it's not the most offensive of this, of this brand I've seen. Yeah, fair enough, but bleh, it's pretty offensive. I got to go double dare all the sure. way. This was a, a bit of a chore to sit through. I really this, I mean, obviously, it's not my kind of film to start right. with, but again, it just how slack it is, how sloppy it is, how cheap it is, how thoughtless it is, and just God, how stupid everyone is. They're just yeah. also just doctors and very successful people who are just complete fucking idiots. So, yeah, I got to go double dare on this one. It was, it was, uh, it was excruciating. <laughs> And I hope I got that. I hope that came across in my comments. Is not a good director. No, no, no. This is it is sub TV level stuff. It is it is real sloppy, real sloppy. No, no effort at all. That's all we have for you on this very special Valentine's love filled episode of Date Dare Daniel. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares, and I will have to probably apologize to my girlfriend profusely for <laughs> just shit talking one of her favorite movies for yeah tell her i said sorry too okay until then send your most district or all twisting movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow dare daniel pod on facebook twitter and instagram collectively known as the schmied like and rate us on all of your favorite podcast apps you can read more of my movie reviews on the dare daniel website at dare daniel dot com corky uh-huh. what are you up to where are you at you can find me at a park that's not actually golden gate park mm-hmm. but has a little ferris wheel and uh, a carousel set up uh, i'm actually not performing or anything i'm just i'm took bert's job bert passed away last year and i'm now the new night guard at the park just surviving on m&ms that you pick <laughs> off the ground there's no brown ones that's weird <laughs> I'm surviving on cast off M&M's just all around the ground and they're showing um, a movie from the 1930s yes uh, that no one's walked, ever heard of he walked at night <laughs> it's actually from the 40s <laughs> um, yeah so that's me sounds good for Dare Daniel I'm Daniel Barnes and I'm Corky McDonald saying oh uh, I gotta get up, go to the bathroom because I ate three boxes of macaroni and cheese today <laughs> Massimo, Massimo. I was uh, I was bummed we didn't get uh, any of your guy, your uh, uh, Luigi, the uh, Italian, the stereotypical oh, Italian Luigi. <laughs> Luigi was so offended by Massimo that I... <laughs> he could not even. <laughs> That's what I thought when you were telling me about Massimo when you were offended by the accent. I thought it was because it, it was your accent, not authentic <laughs> at all. We got some Luigi. There's Luigi for you. <laughs> <laughs> we love you everybody happy valentine's day all right bye-bye